0: So, if you got a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, put it up on the screen, or you can open it up on your phone, but Revelation chapter 3, Jesus was speaking to his church, and he was speaking specifically to a couple different churches, and he had a word to say. There was one church, and they were they were kind of riding the fence with their lives, um, with God. You know, they would sing the worship songs, they would show up for the service, um, but they weren't living for God completely all in and Jesus said I know your deeds and I know that you're neither cold nor hot I wish you were one or the other he says I wish you were I wish you either loved me or hated me but because you're stuck in the middle somewhere you're stuck you're not a yes and you're not a no you're somewhere you're you're in the maybe land you're in the maybe center you're in the maybe world (laughs) and uh, he said, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Y'all are like, sweet, happy new year. Thanks for the positive sermon, Paul, way to kick it off. It's gonna get better. Turn to someone next to you and say, it's gonna get better. Stick around, stick around. Listen, so Jesus says, I want you all in because the abundant life I have for you requires total surrender. A partial surrender is gonna lead to a partial abundant life. And if you want all of the promises of God... See, a lot of people want all the benefits of a relationship, but they aren't willing to put in the commitment to that relationship. And Jesus was saying, if you want the promises, if you want the peace, the joy the, the um, incredible health in your life and relationships and your mental health, emotional health, you're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to fully surrender anxiety. You're gonna have to fully surrender addictions. You're gonna have to fully surrender sinful habits, dysfunctional things that have been uh, grabbing onto your life. You can't just be a Sunday Christian. You can't just be a, 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 um, a worshiping, you know, singing lip service Christian. I'm looking for your life to be all in. I want to look at one more passage, James chapter one, verse eight, James chapter one, verse eight. And uh, we're going to get in the word today. I just this is a word church. We love the word of God. It, it teaches us, changes us, transforms us. So James, who was a half-brother to Jesus, also a follower of Jesus, one of the sons of thunder, and uh, that's what he was called in the Bible, a son of thunder. Come on, thunder and lightning. And uh, James, he said, an indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways someone who can't make up his mind on a constant basis. Now, I'm not talking about can't make up your mind on what you're going to wear to church. So don't feel condemned. But he was saying an indecisive man about major decisions in life, who's always, I don't know what to do, is unstable in all of his ways. One, One other version says a soul split man or a soul split woman, a woman who's like Half of my soul wants it, but half my soul doesn't. I'm torn. I'm somewhere in between. Is unstable in all of their ways. Last week, I talked about, remember Lot's wife. That here she was, her, her husband, their daughters. They're headed out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're headed towards the future God has for them. But she's still longing for the past. And if I'm reaching back here for my past, but God's trying to pull me towards my future, I'm, I'm split. I've got one eye on the future, one eye on the past. I'm cockeyed, right? My, I, I'm stuck in this place. And so I want to title this sermon at the start of the year, Death to Maybe. Death to Maybe. Turn to that person next to you and say, it's time to put maybe to death. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, God, on this word today. Help us to make decisions on things that we have been dragging our feet on that you have called us to say yes to and that you have called us to say no to. And I pray that this would be the greatest year of of spiritual maturity and growth and impact and productivity that we've experienced in our lifetime. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. amen. Thank you, Josh. Can we give the worship team a big hand? Come on, Jesus. We're gonna worship more at the end, but you know, there was this song I wrote over a year ago called You Have My Yes. And I was thinking, imagine if I wrote that song with the words, You have my maybe. And we're all singing together and we're like, You have my maybe. And we're all looking at each other and we're kind of laughing. We're like, we probably shouldn't be saying this to God. And so we say, we say and we sing, You have my yes. But the reality is oftentimes we live as if he has our maybe, maybe. You have my yes on Sundays, but does he have your yes on Mondays? You have my yes when it comes to this area of my life, but you have my maybe I'll pray this week. Maybe I'll read my Bible today. Maybe I'll give in the offering this week. Depends on how I'm feeling. Depends on, you know, maybe I'll quit this habit, maybe I'll give up smoking this year, maybe I'll give up this stuff this year. Maybe I'll lay down this addiction that that I know is bad for me and my marriage and my family. Maybe, maybe. And we get stuck in maybe world. We get stuck in maybe center. And uh, this is where I believe God's calling us to make a decision. Somebody say make a decision. Make a decision. My kids are always trying to get me to move from maybe to yes. About things they're asking from me. And, and so, you know, they'll send one kid in at a time. Liam comes in. He's like, Daddy. He's like, can we get donuts today? And I say, maybe. Or first off, I might start off with no. Then Benny comes in. He's like, Daddy. Whew, donuts. Dun-duns. Really good. You like them too. Don't you want to get these? And then I move from a no to a Maybe. And then Ellie comes in, and Mac, and, and Ellie's eyes, she's just so sweet, puppy dog face. It's hard for me to say no to Ellie. She's like, please, please, some glazed donuts from Daylight Donuts, please, you know. And, and, and so they're trying to get me to move from maybe to yes. And in some cases, God is trying to get some of you in the room to move from a maybe about some things he's been asking you to say yes to, to move to that place of yes, yes. And the reason why is not because he's trying to rob you of joy and happiness and peace. He's actually trying to supply to you the joy and the peace, and you won't find it if you're in an unstable, indecisive place. An unstable person is an indecisive person. They're stuck in a lukewarm state. They're stuck in a maybe state. Last night, I went to the maybe center to watch ORU basketball team play. Come on, shout out to my alma mater, ORU. And I'm watching the game, and Max Acemus, this guy's incredible. He's, you know, one of the starters there at ORU, and so he's dribbling down. Every time they would cross half court in every play, there was a countdown. And that countdown, that 25-second countdown, was telling them, you've got a decision to make. Well, as it got to the very end of the game, it's tied up 71-71. to And so the ball is in Max's hands. I don't know if we got the video, but this is incredible. He dribbles down the court, and the countdown begins to count down this play. When Max gets the ball, watch this, he's crossing half court, come on, boom, makes the shot in the final second, wins in the last second. But can you imagine if they hand the ball to Max, and they're like, make a decision, and he's like, maybe, maybe. I'll think about it. They're like, the game is on the line. He's like, I know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe we'll just settle for a tie. Maybe, maybe we'll just live in the maybe center all night long. Maybe, 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 maybe. But Max had an urgency. If I'm going to win this year, i got to make a decision. And there's a countdown. There's a countdown on 2023. You're seven days in or eight days in. And can I tell you, the clock is counting down. What are you gonna change this year? Well, Paul, maybe, maybe I'll start going back to church again. Good, you've, you've started that. Today is a great beginning of your new habit, but don't waste a January. This is a great month to begin disciplines that you wanna implement the rest of this year. January is a gift from God to us where God is saying, this is your year. Don't think about it. Don't, don't, don't say, maybe I'll get around to it. Don't procrastinate, don't drag your feet. When God starts calling you into a future, you have to let go of a past. When God began calling Lot's family to move forward out of a lifestyle of sin that was trapped in dysfunctional practices and habits and it was dirty and it was wicked, God was saying, you've gotta let go. You've gotta release. You can't grab hold of your destiny if you've got one hand holding on to your history you've got to fully release it. Max had to make a decision. We've got to make a decision. So I've got one question for you right here off the bat. What have you settled for maybe in that God is asking you to say yes to? What have you settled for maybe in when God wants you to say yes? Yes. What is that place where, where you go, maybe, maybe I'll read my Bible this year. Maybe I'll go through the Bible reading plan. By the way, how many of y'all got a Bible reading plan last week at church? Okay, if you haven't gotten one, they're for free out in the lobby, go get one. Or you can download the Victory app. And this is the way I I love listening to the Bible, reading my Bible right here. Um, You can literally download the app off the Google store or the Apple store. I'm gonna show you right here. Then you open it up. Y'all are like, this is ridiculous. Then click right here on read. There's your Bible. Click on plan. Plan. It's loading, because some of y'all are on Wi-Fi right now. Okay, there we go. Today, and then go through, read, read those three chapters for the day. Well, maybe, Paul, maybe I'll get around to it. No, no, no. Don't say maybe. Just do it right now. Make a decision. What are we dragging? Y'all are like, whoa, so demanding. But this is a year to make decisions. This is a year to say yes to what God is asking to say yes to. And then here's my second question for you. Where have you stayed at maybe when God is wanting you to say no? Where have you settled for maybe where God is wanting you to say no? I remember this worship song that came out a couple years ago and it was called Tell the Devil No. Not today. Not today. Shut the front door on the devil. Just waking you guys up today. The subtle art of not giving a foothold to the devil this year. Do you guys remember that song that came out like 10 years ago called Call Me Maybe? Here's my number, so... Call me maybe. Okay, I hated that song. <laughs> Got stuck in my head, but it was it was all about maybe, 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 maybe. Call me maybe, maybe. Call me, call me maybe, maybe, maybe. And it, there is, there's this place if we get stuck in an indecisive spot where God say no. Don't go back to the devil. Don't go back to that old lifestyle. Don't go back to the addictions that were robbing you and your marriage and your family of all that God had for you. Where have you settled for a maybe? Where have you teetered on a maybe? When God has absolutely spelled it out in scripture, it's time to say no. It's time to flee that old lifestyle. You've been set free. You've been delivered out of darkness and into light. This is what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter, uh, Peter was an all-in guy. Like, Peter was the kind of guy, he was never a maybe guy. He was like, he was hot or cold. <laughs> he was either going to step out of the boat, walk on the water to Jesus or he was going to cut a dude's ear off if they messed with his friend. Peter was just excited. He was passionate. He was an action guy. First Peter chapter 4 verse 1 he says since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude in 2023. Aim yourself with the same attitude this year because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. It's going to be hard. You're going to have withdrawals. Your body's going to suffer a little bit. But on the other side of saying no to all of that dysfunctional stuff is freedom and victory and deliverance and purpose and significance and fulfillment and peace. Okay, Paul, it sounds good. But my flesh is still craving the sin. And Jesus gets it. He understands. He goes, temptation's hard. He faced it in the wilderness. The devil will always come to tempt you. Flesh will always, Paul the apostle wrestled with it. Romans chapter seven, he says, I I wanna do the right thing. I wanna say yes to God, but my flesh still wants what my flesh wants. And if Paul the apostle who wrote half the New Testament struggled with sin, chances are there's a good percentage of you in this room that struggle with sin. And you may not see it as a sin. For some of you, it's just compromise. You know this year to get healthy, you're gonna have to give up some sweets. You're like, don't come for that, Paul. Don't come for that. And you're driving down the road, and you know, you know what? God asked me to fast this year. God asked me to give up some stuff for the next week, next 21 days. When Jesus was fasting, the devil came knocking. And if the devil knocked on Jesus' door, he's going to come knocking on your door. So you got daylight donuts. you got Krispy Kreme. The red light's on. You're like, no, don't look over there. It's time to say no to anything that's holding you back from what God has for you. Last week when I was preaching about leaving behind the past, I threw this challenge out. I said, some of you have some stuff you just need to get rid of this year. And that we are gonna do this big bonfire at conference, which by the way, this week, we're gonna have a big bonfire together outside. It's gonna be amazing. And I said, bring all the stuff you wanna get rid of. Bring the drugs, the alcohol, maybe not marijuana, because we'll all get high if we burn that. But let's... (laughs) We're going to have a big party outside, uh, but we're, we're going to burn up all the sin. And, uh, and, and I said, bring all this stuff that you need to get rid of. And, you know, people were like, what are you going to do with it? I was like, we're not going to sell it. We're not giving it away. We're not drug dealers. We're hope dealers and uh, not dope dealers. Come on. But, but someone took me seriously, and I love it when you take me seriously. And there was a wife that was listening to the sermon. She told her husband, she said, you know what you need to leave behind. He said, I know. And he went home. And he found all the hard liquor in his house, all the secret stashes that he had been hiding, places where he had it. And he said, it's time for me to fully surrender, to say no to the things that have been wrecking areas in my life that I want to see victory in. And so he gathered it all together in two massive cardboard boxes, showed up to the church this week during the middle of the day. He said, where's Pastor Paul? They said, he's in a meeting. So one of our other staff members stepped out. He said, can I help you? He said, yeah, I'm ready to be done with the past. He said, come on, let's pray. And he goes, no, 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 let's go out to my car. We're going to get it all out. He goes, what is it? He goes out there. There's two big boxes full of all kinds of expensive liquor bottles. And he said, I am ready to get rid of this. It's been holding me back. So they went out to the trash can behind the church, just started breaking the bottles, throwing it in. there. Come on, this is your year. Death to maybe. Death to maybe. Well, maybe I'll change. How about yes? How about yes this year? How about yes to God's will and no to the flesh this year? Paul, it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, str- I'm in between. When my father passed away, people would tell me stories right after he passed. And to this day, every week I, I get a story. They go, man, let me tell you this story about your dad. And, and there's been some funny stories. One of them that stands out to me, this um, staff member, he said, when I first came on to work for Victory... I had used to work for another church in Tulsa, and, um, and I had been coming to Victory. I would stepped down from that role there, and I'd been coming to Victory for about a year, um, but I still had all my old gear and, and clothes and stuff from that, that church that I worked at. And he said, one day I came to work, and I wasn't thinking about it. He said, I was wearing that, that church's brand on the front. And he said, your dad saw me in the hallway and said, come with me. <laughs> and he walked him to the Victory bookstore, And looked at the bookstore manager and said, get this man one of our victory shirts. And uh, the bookstore manager was like, okay, Pastor Billy Joe. And uh, he hands it to him. He goes, here you go. And he goes, thanks, Pastor. And he goes, put it on. (laughs) And uh, he was like, right now. And my dad goes, right now. And he goes, "Uh, right here? And my dad said, if you're on my team, you wear my jersey. And he said, no more riding the fence. (laughs) This man was telling me, he's like, your dad was intense, bro. I was like, I know. He was, trust me, I grew up with him. Like, I, I know. My dad was like, you're either all in with me or you're not. He, like, he was very, and I wonder if God's saying that to some of us. If you're on my team, it's time you wear my jersey. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, don't just sing on Sunday. Walk it out. It's time to make some decisions this year. It's D-Day. It's decision time. It's time to say yes or no. It's time to get hot or cold. It's time to, to make in your, in your mind, what is it that you're going to give up this year to become the healthiest man of God that God's called you to be, the healthiest woman of God? What is it that he's asking you to stop riding the fence on? Death to maybe. It's time to go all in with a yes. And so I wanna look at a character in the Bible who made a decision, and he was faced with a, a moment where he had to decide, am I gonna live in this maybe spot? Or am I going to say yes to what God was inviting me into? And I want to go to this story in the Old Testament. His name was Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, if you got a Bible. And I'll just kind of camp out here for the rest of the sermon, and then we'll wrap it up with worship. But Nehemiah was someone that God was speaking to in in a very unique way. He was giving him a vision through a problem. There's problems all over the world and how you see those problems will determine whether or not you live with a conviction in your heart to make a difference about those problems or whether you stand by in a place of maybe and you watch other people make a difference. Nehemiah in chapter one, he was in a job, he was working for a palace, he was a cupbearer and and yet he wasn't from this land. He was in a time of exile and he was living in the citadel of Susa. This was right after Esther, and so the Israelites, they didn't own their own country. They weren't, they weren't ruling or leading. They were, under, uh, they were under another domain, another dominion. And Han and I, one of my brothers, he said he came from Judah with some other men. And I asked them, what's going on with the Jewish remnant? Who's left? How many people are still alive? Who has survived the exile? And what's going on with our city, Jerusalem? So this was a time where things weren't in a good place. And Nehemiah needed to know what is the institutional reality of what's happening out there. By the way, faith is not afraid to face the facts. Faith is willing to ask the hard question, where do I need to change? What's going on here? How is this affecting me? Faith is not afraid to face the doctor's diagnosis. Faith listens to it and says, okay, that's the reality. The reality is my health is in a bad place. The reality is the cigarettes have been hurting my lungs. The reality is alcohol's been messing with my marriage. The reality is the pornography is really bad right now. The reality is I've not been reading my Bible. You've got to be able to face the institutional reality. To go, man, things are not where they need to be. I've been screaming, I've been cussing, I've been, I've been emotionally and mentally confused and exhausted. Face the facts. Nehemiah, face the facts. He goes, things are not. Good. Watch what he says in verse three. They said, look, there are survivors, but they're in great trouble. Disgrace has come upon our people. The walls have been broken down. There's no more boundaries. People have been living with no boundaries. And so anything and everything is getting into our house. Every kind of trouble and disturbance has come into Jerusalem. The gates have been burned with fire. Our marriage is in shambles and, and our families are messed up. So Nehemiah is allowing this to sink in. He's going, okay, okay, okay. As we start 2023, we don't wanna just ignore the reality that things need to change in our life. For some of us in this room, we're in a place and, and some of you are like, man, I'm doing good. Like that doesn't describe me. I'm Paul, I'm good. But maybe God's asking you to get involved in a family that's not doing good. Maybe God's saying, yeah, but you need to start a connect group for 10 dudes you know that are struggling right now, for some ladies you know that really need some help right now, because it's not just about you, Nehemiah. It's about your nation. It's about your neighborhood. It's about the Tulsa Dream Center. It's about North Tulsa and West Tulsa and South Tulsa. It's about these young married couples in Victory Church. It's about these teenagers coming to church. Don't you see there's a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a burden to bear? I remember this story, this movie that came out several years ago called The Freedom Riders. And I was watching this movie, and it was about this true story. This girl, when she was like 19 or 20, she's studying in college, and she's studying to become a teacher, and she feels this calling to go and teach in a very, very bad area, bad neighborhood. And what they called this school was the throwaway teens, the throwaway teens, and people said, "You never want to teach there. That's the place you don't want to end up teaching it." Well, she felt this, this cause, almost like Nehemiah, that because she grew up with a house and, and, a, and a, a life that was good, she felt like she had a compassion to go and help other people that were in a bad place. And as she was there, she's teaching, and you know they're cussing her out, they're pushing her against the wall, all kinds of stuff. And one night she's crying and she's talking to her dad, and her dad says, "You've been blessed with a burden." You've been blessed with a burden. Nehemiah is listening to this reality and all of a sudden this burden starts growing on the inside of him. I've got to do something about this. Well, watch this in verse four. He says, when I heard the condition of my flock, when I heard the condition of my nation, when I heard how the boundaries had been broken down, the walls were torn down, the gates were burned, when I realized the reality of what I was in, I sat down and I wept. How do I murder maybe? Y'all are like, whoa, this got intense. How do, I, how do I put maybe to death? I allowed the reality to become so real. I internalize it. If I don't say yes to the things God's asking me to say yes to, things will get worse. And if I don't say no to the things God's asking me to say no to, things will get worse. So he sits and he weeps. He internalizes the situation. And then the Bible says he began to fast and pray. Look at this in verse four. He says, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed. Now, January is a month as a church where we take time to fast and pray. What is fasting? It's abstaining from something you want, something you're used to in order to stir up the appetite for more of God. Oftentimes, the enemy for the hunger of God It's not sin, it's just apple pie. It's just daylight donuts. It's just giving, it's just more TV, more Netflix. And there's nothing wrong with eating sweets or watching a football game or watching a movie, but there are moments. I see January as a Genesis month where God says, in the beginning, let there be. What do you want this year to be? To be a year of purpose you're going to have to get into a place to prepare for that purpose. So Nehemiah gets here and he begins to weep and he begins to fast. He gives up food. For some of you this month, maybe you could give up something for a week. Maybe you give up something for 21 days. Maybe you give up social media for a certain time. Maybe during this conference week, you give up television and just go, you know what, we're gonna seek God this week. I'm gonna get my kids here at service. We're gonna lean in. We're gonna hear from Darius Daniels. Most churches these days for a conference like this would charge over $100. We do it for free. We want to bless you. We want to allow anyone who wants to be in a powerful revival-like atmosphere to have a chance to come. And so here, Nehemiah, he's praying and he's fasting, and he's asking God, God, what is your will? What do you want me to do about the current condition of Israel? Here's what prayer and fasting does. Here's what it did for Nehemiah. Here's what it can do for us. It clears the spiritual and e- a mental and emotional fog. Anytime you're driving in Oklahoma and there's a fog, it gets bad sometimes here. If you're new to Oklahoma, the fog is rough sometimes. So much so that I've driven up to the church and I can't even see... The parking lot or the marquee sign outside or lights or the building, the fog covers the praying hands, covers the Cityplex towers. You can't see 10 feet in front of your car. Then there's times where it's not just a natural fog, there's a spiritual fog in your life where you don't know how to see what's going on. You're not sure how to discern a certain situation. How do I clear the fog? How do I cut through the fog? How do I get the fog to disperse? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting helps me to see clearly the obstacles that are in my way. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Prayer and fasting doesn't remove the obstacles, it helps me to see them clearly. Prayer and fasting helps me to respond with divine guidance and not just react in my own understanding. I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm tempted to react. Because I know something, or I heard something, or I think something, or I feel something, or I, I'm suspicious about something, or I'm hurt by something. And reactions always lead to regrets. But when I take time to pray over that, before I, before I hit reply on that email, before I send that text message, before I post that tweet, let me just pray and fast, Elon Musk. Let me just pray, is this the right thing to say right now? We're living in a world where people are literally constant activators, and very slow to pray over what they're doing. Prayer and fasting helps me to say death to maybe, but it also helps me to know what I'm supposed to say yes to, what I'm supposed to say no to. Prayer and fasting brings focus to what really matters. This last week, my kids, they were asking me, Daddy, do you have to go back to work? Do you gotta go to work? Please, can you just hang out with us? And I love my kids, but I've gotta go to work. And then they were like, Daddy, do you have to spend time working on the sermon and praying and reading the Bible? It's like, yes. Not only do I need to spend time working on the sermon, but I need prayer time not about the sermon. I need Bible time, not just to prepare for a message, but so that I can continue to live on God's word, so that I can continue to renew my mind and heart. Y'all, I'm telling you, we're living in a time where people don't prioritize the word of God or time with God, and we can't make it in 2023 into the productive, spiritually mature, growing year that God has for us if we don't carve time out to say, I need to spend some time in prayer. I need to lock the bathroom door and read my Bible. I need to say no to, to pleasing everybody else and say yes to pleasing God this year. Prayer and fasting helps me to release unnecessary baggage. Helps me to let go of stuff that I'm holding on to. Prayer and fasting produces courage. When Nehemiah got done praying, guess what he does? In Nehemiah chapter two, he walks into the palace with courage and he says to the king, he says, there's something I gotta do. There's a nation I've got to help. There's a group of people that I've got to serve. And I need you to pay me while I'm off work. Yo, it takes courage to ask the king to pay you. And the king listens to him and says, done. I'll pay you while you're gone. And he says, I also need protection because not everybody wants to see boundaries in our life. Not, ooh, that's a word right there. Not everybody wants to see the walls built up around our family and our marriage. Not everybody is for Israel living their best days. And the king says, done. Protection, provision, favor. Where did Nehemiah get the protection, provision, the favor? He got it through prayer and fasting. He was preparing his heart to have courage, to make the right decisions, to say yes to what God wanted and no to what his flesh or the devil was asking. Prayer and fasting stirs a deeper hunger for what really satisfies your soul. And here's the deal about a prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is more about longing for the power and the presence of Jesus than it is about restricting our appetites. It's not about restricting. It's about stirring up a greater power and presence in our life through the power of God. Replacing normal activities with a focused time of prayer and fasting allows us to get our hearts and our minds ready for what God wants to do. This last week, I was watching sports with my kids, and we're in the house, and and um, Monday Night Football was on, Bills versus Bengals. And so I'm watching the game, and, and as we're getting ready to lay the kids down, it's bedtime, I noticed the game just paused for a second. And I didn't think much of it, so I keep laying the kids down. And then I walk past it, and the game still paused for like 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, interesting, someone must have gotten injured. And then I get a text message from a church member, they said, hey, pray for this guy, Demar Hamlin, he just got injured. And I was like, okay. I never get text messages to pray for an NFL player. But I was like, okay. So then I turned the volume up on the TV and they start showing this replay of a Bills, Buffalo Bills football player. He had just got done tackling a guy. When he stood up, he had a cardiac arrest live on television and fell back and stopped breathing on the field. When it happened, they started showing the replay. ESPN didn't know what to do and the game had now been paused. As I'm watching this, it had now been paused for 30, 40 minutes, and so I'm watching as football players, these grown men, multi-millionaire, pro- professional, famous athletes are in tears, and they're walking out, and cameras are, are spanning across the field trying to find out what's going on. The first thing these guys do as they're walking out, there, you just start seeing them praying. They're praying. One of the cameras zoomed in on one of these guys' mouths, and he's going, shombrayake, sitarayeke, korayeke and the, the, NFL, the ESPN guys are going, what's going on here? It looks like he's praying. And you got guys going like this, and the guy's crying. And then they blocked the paparazzi from seeing what's going on over here. They start standing around DeMar Hamlin as the ambulance comes out. CPR guys are trying to get this guy. They don't want anyone seeing what's going on with their brother. They're protecting a man down. What if the church was like that, by the way? They, they won't let anyone see... This guy's life is on the line and we don't want cameras up in his face. And ESPN doesn't know what to do. They're talking and they're like, what do we do right now? NFL's trying to start the game after five or 10 minutes. And the coach is like, no, this man's life is more important than a football game. I've never seen this in the history of my, like I've been watching sports since I was a kid, grew up with a dad that loved watching football, basketball. And I was like, Ashley, you gotta see this. I've never seen a game suspended this long. They ended up canceling the game. They didn't even continue it because everyone was distraught and overwhelmed. But one of the most powerful moments on the field, as this is all happening, the Bills, once the man gets in the ambulance truck, the Bills get on one knee together. The whole team, coaches, players, watch this picture. They all begin praying together. They begin praying together. Prayer was their first response in a crisis. Revival is coming, church. And I'm okay if the NFL wants to spark it in America. Why not? They're down there, they're praying together, and they're weeping over the condition of their fellow teammate. When's the last time you allowed tears to form, not about you, but about your brother? Well, Paul, I'm good. I'm good. I don't got addictions, I don't have any problems, but there's a man down. And they're just weeping, they're praying. I don't even want to play until, until I know that he's alive. There was ESPN guys talking, and one guy, he was an atheist, he was on television, he goes, man, he said, I'm envious of you religious people. He looks at one of the other newscasters. he says, I'm envious of you guys. He said, why do you say that? He said, because he actually used these words, he said, you guys have a foundation in times where nobody knows what to do. And he said, I don't know what to do. He said, I'm jealous of you religious people because you have a foundation. You know, you have a higher being to pray to. And he said, I wish I had that. He said, I'm not ready to become a Christian, but I wish I had what you had. And these newscasters began talking about the only response. See, there's things that money can't buy. You could have a billion dollars and still you are bankrupt without prayer you are dead without prayer there's things that science can't solve and why not at the start of the year make prayer a priority make prayer and fasting where you go you know what our family's gonna we're gonna put jesus first this year above volleyball above soccer Above basketball, above academics, we're gonna put Jesus at the top. We are gonna make it a priority this year that every week that we're in town, we're coming to church, we're gonna pray together. And if you're not married, if you're single, make it your priority. This is a great way to prepare one day for marriage. For all the single guys and girls, this is a great way to stir up, to make a disciplined prayer life. Well, there was this one guy on ESPN, I want the band to come out, the next day, and he's a believer. And he's talking about He's like, you know, everybody's talking about praying. But he said, no one's willing to pray live on on ESPN. It's like we're all afraid of being canceled. We're all afraid of the woke mob coming after us for having faith in Jesus Christ, that we're not allowed to talk about our faith on television. And this man goes for it. He moves from a maybe prayer to a yet. I want you to see what happened. This is
1: powerful. Check this out. Um, Football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for. It him. is. DeMar Hamlin, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're we're sad. We're angry. um, And we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 Come on, church, come on. Let's just
0: pray right now. Lord, we just pray right now, God, over every situation that's beyond our understanding. We pray for continual health. God, we celebrate that Damar is living today, that he's breathing, that he's testifying, that prayer does work, and that people are seeing it all over the world. In the sports world, God, in entertainment world, I just thank you that 2023 would be a year of just great revival in America in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, let it start in us. Lord, I thank you for what you started in the NFL this last week, just reminding all of these people, many who might be far from you, that you're the only foundation in a crisis, that at the end of the day, games don't matter as much as lives. And God, that we would stake our life not on a sport, not on the result of a game, but God, on the foundation of your word, God, your lordship over our life this year. No more maybes when it comes to following after you, praying, reading our Bible, leaning into your will, your way, your purpose for our life, that we would allow our hearts to be broken for what breaks your heart. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir in us this week just an urgency to pray, to pray for our city, to pray for our president, to pray for our government, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our governor, God, to pray for our mayor, to pray, Lord, for teachers in schools, and to pray for revival in public schools and private schools and homeschool. Lord, I pray that this would be a year, God, that we pray first in every situation, that we respond, Lord God, just with a decision, a decided heart that we're not going to try to do things in the flesh. We're not going to try to hang on to things that you're asking us to let go in Jesus' name. Once Nehemiah prayed and fasted, he had the courage to go to Jerusalem. And when he gathered there, it says he went at nighttime in Nehemiah chapter two, he assessed the wall. He saw the broken down places and he realized I have to say yes to this. Somebody say yes. Yes, yes, yes. You have my yes. God, you have my yes. He counted the cost. He began to build. People came around him. In Nehemiah chapter 4, opposition began to grow. Temptation to quit. The Bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings. Sometimes we go back into maybe land because at first we start to say yes to God, but we don't see immediate results. We don't see immediate change. We don't see immediate breakthrough. Paul, I gave up some addictions But for some reason, I'm still struggling. I'm still hurting. I'm not seeing a breakthrough yet. Paul, I've been giving. I've been reading my Bible, but I haven't seen a change yet. Don't despise the day of laying the first brick on the wall. You're building a boundary. You're building up something. It's going to take work and time. But I'm telling you, on the other side of surrender, there is so much more peace than staying in the land of maybe, than staying in the land of living for the flesh. And when you fall in love with yes, The only way I can leave behind what God's telling me to say no to it's not to stand over here saying I hope I don't do it. I hope I don't do what I shouldn't do. I hope that I live for God this year. It's when I realize yes is so much more powerful to accept than this stuff over here. That when I fall in love with the purpose of God, the will of God. When I get in a men's connect group, when I'm going through discipleship, when I'm doing what God when I'm in church, when I'm praying, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm walking in forgiveness, when I'm letting go of unhealthy habits, when I'm choosing to surrender to Jesus. I'm telling you the presence of God. This 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 is why I'm so excited for conference this week because i believe this is a year god wants his his church to return to their first love to return to their first love to get hot you're either hot or you're cold to come into that place to say god i'm all yours this year god i'm saying yes to the spiritual disciplines you want to grow in my life i'm saying no to the unhealthy habits i'm going all in when nehemiah started to do this People came against him. People tried to stop him, but he had an unreal focus. It was so powerful. When you give it your all to God, God gives you a radical focus to the point where you're like that guy on ESPN. He's like, I don't care what anyone says. I'm praying right now. I'm, pray- I'm bowing my head and I'm praying. And I'm praying for that kind of courage to stir up in some of us this year, that this would be a year we break free of feeling like we gotta be somewhere in the middle. Stand to your feet all over this place. This is your year to say yes to God death to maybe, yes to what God's asking you to do, yes to a year of faith, yes to a year of compassion, yes to victory, yes to prayer, yes to forgiveness, no to sin, no to bitterness, no to holding on to your shame and regrets, no to living in the land of maybe. This morning as I was driving to church, I come up to a light and right there is um, Coach JC, one of our ushers in the 9 a.m. service, him and his wife Jody. They, they thought they had enough gas. Their gas tank was like normal. It was, you know, they had 75 miles left, but all of a sudden they just ran out of gas and they were stuck at the light. And they were like, Pastor, we start laughing. I said, Do you want me to give you a ride to church? They said, no, uh, we're going to get some gasoline. We, we got a can. I was like, you want me to go get it from Quick Trip? This was just, you know, right before the 9 a.m. service. And this guy pulls up in a truck and he goes, y'all need help. And I said, I can help him. He said, hold up. Is that Pastor Paul? I said, yeah, that's me. He said, man, I haven't been in church in a long time. And Coach JC said, well, you need to get back in church. He said, well, do you need help with gas? He said, yeah. And so Coach JC gives him 20 bucks and says, can you get me a can? So I called Coach JC. I said, are you good? He said, yeah. He said, it was a divine appointment that man hadn't been in church in a long time. We were able to witness to him, get him into church in the 9 a.m. service, get his life back connected to God. Come on, God's about to use your delay, your detour as a purpose for what he wants you to do this year. I want us just to close our eyes across this place. If there's something you need to say yes to that God's asking you to stop dragging your feet on, whatever that is, maybe it's fasting and prayer, maybe you need to decide before you leave the room today, that there's some things in your house you're going to get rid of this week. There's some things you just say, you know what? I'm laying that down at the altar this week. I'm bringing that to God. I'm deleting that op- app off my phone this week. I'm, I'm, I'm changing some things this week. I'm changing. This is a Genesis month. This is a let there be time right now. And I want to start this year off with just a surrendered heart to God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, God's speaking to you, I want you to just lift your hand up all over this room. You might be a believer. You might be in the room today. You're an unbeliever, but you're saying, I want to go all in. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want Jesus to have lordship over every area in my life. My thoughts, my relationships, my finances, my emotions this year. I want him to be involved in my schooling, my sports, my routine, my schedule this year. I want to get Jesus at the top of the priority list this year. And if you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand or you're just feeling an urgency to surrender something today, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. We're just gonna take a few minutes right here at the end of service to just worship and give it to God. Whatever that is, just bring it to God. You might wanna come with your spouse, come with your parents, come with your sister, your brother, come with your teenagers, your son, your daughter. As you come down to this altar, or maybe you're coming by yourself, that's okay. Because if you make that decision today, I believe God is gonna give you the strength He's gonna give you that resurrection power this year to say, Lord, I need you, and he's gonna help you. Go ahead, Dom, lead us in that song. Let's just begin to sing this to the Lord all over the room today, those watching online, to say, God, you have my yes. You have my yes this year. It's time to surrender this year. It's time to fully give God access to every area. The past, the present, the future. He's with you, my friend. You're not alone. You're not condemned. Don't feel ashamed. There is now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new is here. He's for you help you this year. He's going to strengthen you this year. is my firm foundation the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad I put my faith in Jesus this year cause he's never left. He's faithful through generations. He's been there. Of it. If he's asking you to lay it down it's because he's got victory in front of you. He says if you look to me, if you turn to me fail you church never has never will he's a good God he's a faithful God he's a merciful God his mercy triumphs over his wrath he's got grace for you he's got purpose for you this year he's got healing for you this year he's got freedom for you this year strength for you this year I just, I don't know why, but while I was praying, I just felt like the Lord was like, I'm the mailman. I just showed up at your house and I just put in fresh mercy in your mailbox. that's waiting for you this year. I know it's so cheesy, but I just keep seeing that picture of just the mailman just dropping off. God saying, I've got something for you this year. On the other side of your yes, God says, I've delivered peace to your house this year. I'm bringing joy into your life. I'm bringing bringing you out of captivity to depression. I'm bringing you out of the captivity to oppression and addictions. And I'm bringing you into a place of joy, of peace, of a sense of purpose. God's going to show you people he wants you to reach this year, people he wants you to help this year. He's going to give you increase, multiplication in your finances, debt freedom this year, in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray right now, God, that this would be a year of significant spiritual growth in our life. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to just have your way in us and through us. Just say this with me. Jesus, I surrender your will, your way, your word in my life. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. And I receive your grace and your help. Holy Spirit, give me resurrection power to walk in victory this year over temptation, over every struggle that's kept me in maybe. This year, I'm saying yes to God's will, God's way for my life. In Jesus' name,